0: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way?
2: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode, we are going to look at episodes 15 and 16 of season 2 of The Adventures of Superman. First, we're going to meet a diner owner who tells some tall tales and not all of his customers believe him. But the question becomes, do the criminals believe him? We are going to learn all about My Friend Superman. And then after that, as off to the telephone. we are going to meet a couple of clowns, including the clown who cried. So I am going to take a quick break right now, as I have no further preamble. I am going to play a promo from another great podcast. Then I'm going to come back with My Friend Superman. Hang around, folks.
3: Justice League International Blah Ha Ha a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. we will be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as Martian Manhunter, Batman, Dr. Fate,
2: Black Canary, Fire, Ice, Maxwell Lord, Oberon, Captain Marvel, Rocket Red, Captain
0: Adam, Mr.
3: Miracle, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Nort, and many, many more. Justice League International, Blah ha ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it?
2: All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into My Friend Superman. Original broadcast date was December 21st, 1953. Episodes writer was David Chantler, and director was Tommy Carr. Guest cast included Tito Vuolo as Tony, Yvette Duguay as Elaine, Paul Burke as Ace, Terry Frost as Spud, Joseph Vitale as Cap, Ralph Sanford as George, Ruta Lee as Claire, and Eddie Ryder as Ted. And now for our synopsis, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Various shopkeepers in Metropolis have fallen victim to the protection racket of Cap, Ace, and Spud. Tony and his daughter Elaine, who run the diner near the newspaper offices of the Daily Planet, are among those forced to pay money to the gangsters. Thinking it will keep him from harm, Tony has been telling all his customers, including Ace and Spud, that he is friends with Superman. Got it, Tony? Yeah.
0: Smart boy, Tony. Now you don't have to worry about busted windows. People reckon you joined or nothing. Now you got protection.
1: You're gonna be sorry. You're gonna be real sorry. What makes you think so, Tony? I'm an also, because Tony's a personal friend of a Superman. You hear that, Ace? He's a friend of Supermans. I'll show you. I'll show you proof. Here we go
4: again. I
1: think Papa's beginning to believe it himself. Yeah. How do you think I got this? Okay. how? With my own two eyes. I watch the Superman take away from a crook and twist it up, just like a piece of spaghetti, like this.
0: Sure, sure, Tony. Now let's make with a couple of hot beef sandwiches.
1: And don't forget the ketchup. Too hot beef sandwich, bambino. Tell us the truth, Tony. How'd you do it? Bend it in the vice? Never mind. Someday, instead of a sandwich, you're going to eat your words.
2: Ha ha ha. Superman's great speed, reporter Clark Kent has typed in an article on the recent protection rackets for the Daily Planet. On his way to give it to editor Perry White, he sees Lois Lane packed and preparing to leave for a trip.
3: Cheapers, Mr. Kent, where have you been? The chief's been tearing his hair. Kent! Yes, sir. Well, where is it? They're right here, sir.
0: When on earth do you have time to do all this? Well, Chief, sometimes I can be pretty fast with that typewriter of mine. Must be. Come in the office. Yes, sir.
1: Looks good, Kent.
0: This series should blow the protection racket right out of its boots. I certainly hope so, Chief. Where did Lois go? Oh, don't ask me. I'm just the editor of this paper. However, she was kind enough to leave this note for me. Chief, have hot lead for new evidence on protection racket back in a couple of days. A couple of days? What do you suppose she's up to? My boy, I think you're old enough to know something about women, and that is there's nothing you'll ever know about them. I don't like it, Chief.
2: She's liable to wind up in some pretty thin ice. As Jimmy Olsen and Clark are having lunch at his diner, Tony continues to entertain customers with his stories about Superman.
3: Huh? Oh sure, hi. It's a beautiful day inside, isn't it, Elaine? What's the matter, Jim? You act a little flustered. Me? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm uh, as calmly perfect as a june in day.
4: Can I take your order, Mr. Olson?
3: Oh, yeah, you, you can take it any place you like. I won't be needing
1: it. Hey, Tony, bring me another one. I'm an never see a man who likes the hamburger so much. No, it's not the hamburger. I'm crazy about the pickles. Sometimes I think you're just crazy. Why? Because I don't believe you know Superman? Makes no difference to me if you believe me or not. Superman is my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kent, where is Miss Lane today?
0: Well, she went out of town for a few days, Tony. Nobody knows where she went. Oh. She's another one. She should stay out of town. Permanent. Say, Kent. Yes, George. Did you hear the latest? Tony's going to play golf with Superman
1: tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that to Mr. Kent.
0: Why not? It sounds like
1: a fine idea to me, Tony. Only well, you won't embarrass Superman by beating him. Uh, you don't believe a Tony either. Oh, I didn't say that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a true story. This happened last year, remember? A man toppled off the roof. He fells 15 stories down. By just in time, Superman come from nowhere. He catches the man in his arm and he saves his life. Yes, I remember that, Tony. But what did you have to do with it? Why me? I'm the guy who pushed the guy off the roof. No, no, I mean, I'm the guy who tip off a Superman.
4: Come on, Papa, that's enough.
1: Gee, it looks wonderful.
4: I'll get your milk.
1: It's not enough. You want to hear another one? You know, I could almost believe him. All right, I'll tell you another one. This was another time. Superman, he break right into the crook's house, and he surprised everybody. <laughs> I guess you'll we'll give it to Superman a tip that time, huh? You again? That's right, me. <laughs> well, that's fine, Tony. If you see Superman, you just give him my regards, will you? Sure, sure, Mr. Kent. <coughs>
2: Ace and Spud overhear him and nearly believe the Italian cook. They then do something unusual. They pay for their meals. Later, after their boss Cap sees the latest edition of The Planet, Spud has a plan. You
1: want to see us, Cap? See this? The evening edition of The Planet.
0: And that's only the first of eight articles. Byline Clark Kent. I told you that guy had a hot typewriter. Give me that. This series, exposing a vicious protection racket, will be based on documented fact. The planet is in possession of some 50 signed affidavits from shopkeepers who have been victimized. Boys, there's only one thing to do. Get out of town. Uh Ah, get those affidavits. Hey, Cap, that's one newspaper you don't want to fool around with. Everybody knows that Superman takes a personal interest in the planet. Wait a minute. If we can get rid of Superman for just one hour, we can get those affidavits. Are you nuts? How can you get rid of Superman? Rumor has it that Clark can't Superman's contact. But well, what if he isn't? What if that's just to cover up? You mean Tony? Sure, why not? Nah, I can't see it. If Tony were the contact, he wouldn't go broadcasting it all over the joint. That's the point. He puts on such a big act, nobody believes him. That's exactly what he wants. It could be. But where does that get us? Well, there's one other thing we know, remember? Lois Lane, that girl reporter, is out of town for a couple of days, nobody knows where. Like I said, where does that get us? We just put two and two together, and I'll tell you what it gets us. The
2: affidavits. I got a plan, Cap. Okay, Spud. It's up to you. Just don't make any mistakes. With Lois Lane away in an unknown location, a message can be given to Superman, through Tony, that the Star Reporter is in danger. When the Man of Steel is out of town, Ace and Spud will take 50 affidavits signed by shopkeepers in the city from the Daily Planet building that incriminate the gang. Now I'll start it out, and you pick it up, got it? I'd still rather get out of town.
0: Yeah, that Superman's really gonna be surprised. Imagine, kidnapping Lois Lane right from under Superman's nose. That's what the grapevine says, it ain't been wrong yet. I wonder who's pulling the job. Beats me. All I heard was something about a Mr. X. Supposed to take place around Watsonville at six o'clock tomorrow night. Oh, well, it ain't none of our business. I wonder what Tony's
1: doing with our soup. Two bowls of soup are coming right up.
0: Thanks, Tony. Say, uh, let me give you a little tip. You ain't going to be dumb enough to sign one of them affidavits for Clark Kent, are
1: you? I'm not going to sign nothing. I'm going to let Superman take care of everything when the right time she's come. Provided you know how to get in
0: touch with Superman? Right, Tony.
1: We're going to find out pretty soon.
2: If you heard all right. All we got to do is make contact. Let's get out of here. Desperate. Tony tells Clark that the Metropolis Marvel is needed. Oh, Mr. Kent, I gotta have a
1: talk with you. Sure, Tony. I gotta get a hold of Superman.
0: Well, that shouldn't be difficult for you.
1: Well, uh, that's uh, that's not my problem. I can get a hold of him, but I also gotta know where where is Miss Lane.
0: Well, as I told you yesterday, no one knows where she went. What's she got to do with it?
1: Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, somewhere near Watson Wheeler, she's going to be kidnapped. Tony, that's carrying a joke too far. Oh, but don't you order, Mr. Kent. <laughs> if anybody knows where is Miss Lane, Superman is the one.
0: Yes, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But what if he
1: doesn't? He's got to. i got to get a hold of him. Of course, maybe if you see him first, Mr. Kent. Uh, Tony, could I have a glass of milk?
0: Sure. Would you mind bringing it over that table? Yes. Thank I you. Can.
1: Come, The rifle! Only one man is strong enough to do that. Superman. Perhaps that's just his way of letting you know he got the message, Tony. That's right. That's right. He travels so fast that nobody sees him. You see? You see now what do you got
2: to say? You switched rifles. You can't fool me, Tony. It is now 5 p.m. Cap has gone with Ace and Spud to the diner to make sure Tony has gotten in touch with Superman. Tony, in the meantime, has hidden a tape recorder in the kitchen to get the gangster's conversation for Superman. Unfortunately, some teenagers have decided to play the nearby jukebox. Here. I'll
4: put some loot in the platter box, huh? Yeah, go
1: huh? ahead. Tony looks like he needs a little cheering yeah. up. I'm not need no cheering up. I'm the most cheerful man in the world. What do you want to hear? Kat? Oh, anything.
4: It doesn't matter. No,
1: no, no. The, the, the box, she's busted down.
4: Why, it doesn't look busted down to me, Tony.
1: It's too late in the day. It's time to be quiet. Relax. Okay, Tony, I'll play some real relax, huh?
2: Wait, wait. The music makes it impossible to hear what the racketeers are saying.
1: From the noise. Maybe I can fix it, Tony. Huh? No, 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 no. Uh, to- I got a better idea. Tony's gonna buy both something brand new. What's new, Tony? It's a it's a super Hamburg.
4: Mmm, sounds delish. What are we waiting
1: for? Super wow! You sit down. I make the Hamburg. That'll go great with some eight to the. Hey, Tony. Look, it's just a plug. Come that's all. Right, all right. Wait. <laughs>
3: It must be nice to be young.
4: Here, man, nervous. <laughs> Tony, if the music really bothers you, I will stop.
1: No, no, it's it don't matter, no matter now, it's okay.
4: Hey,
1: dig those crazy skyscrapers.
4: Oh, where'd you learn to make those, Tony?
1: Well, I'm getting the recipe from... uh it's well, not important. i am be
2: The clock is ticking as Clark and Perry wait for any word about Lois' whereabouts. Meanwhile, Tony has played the tape of Cap's gang conversation for Jimmy. The jukebox music drowns out the voices in the middle of the recording. Jimmy has just called Clark, who has now heard the wire recording thanks to his super hearing. Hello, Lois.
3: No, no, Mr. Ken, It's me, Jimmy.
2: Well,
0: uh, Jimmy, I'm sorry. I haven't got time to talk to you now. I was just on my way out. But uh, I was hoping that Lois might call at the last
3: minute. That's what I'm calling about. I'm in the kitchen of the diner and uh, Tony's got a wire recording down here. I think you ought to know about.
0: Oh, please, Jimmy. I don't have time now.
3: It's about Miss Lane. Most recordings blurred off, but according to it, she's not in any danger at all.
0: She isn't. Well, let's hear the recording. Sure. The
3: only thing is you won't be able to hear much of
0: it. Well, play it anyway, Jimmy.
3: Okay. Turn it on.
0: Did you hear that about the rifle? That means he made contact. Superman's off on a wild goose chase, just like we planned. And that leaves us a clear field. All we gotta do is...
4: Hey, Lane! Hey, Tony! Hey, There's a little noise around here! I'll put some loot in the platter yeah, box, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Tony looks like he needs a little cheering up. Yeah.
0: Ready? Kay. Still got a couple of minutes. Okay, Tony, a place of real relax. dumb huh? kids. What was I saying? at
1: exactly
0: six o'clock
3: we go up
1: there. Oh, I wish we could hear what they were saying under the music. I'm wishing I had a super like Superman so I can hear them.
0: Once we get the papers, we've got nothing to worry about.
3: Jimmy! Jimmy! I don't know.
1: I know, I know, Mr. Kent.
3: You couldn't understand a word. I wish we knew what they really had on their minds. Where are these men now? Yeah, they're right here at the diner. Or they were.
0: Well, you say that's spool for evidence anyway. Evidence? Police lab may be able to filter out some of the music. I'll be over as soon as I can.
2: <clears throat> now, Superman is flying to the diner to confront Cap's gang as Lois returns. She had gone to the cafe thinking she would find Clark or Jimmy. Cap, Ace, and Spud suddenly realize that their plan might fail, and they get a confirmation of this when Superman arrives. The Man of Steel does not have to do much once he stops the racketeers from escaping. He only bends the rifle barrel again, while Tony, Elaine, and a regular customer named George throw ditches and food at the criminals. With Cap and his henchmen now on their way to prison, honest shopkeepers in Metropolis have nothing to fear, thanks to Superman and his friend Tony.
1: Tony, that's a pretty mean cup you throw. Oh, Mr. Superman, I'm so sorry I caused you trouble. I'm sorry I talked too much and tell so many Ah, uh, never mind about that, Tony. As a matter of fact, I have a brand new recipe I'd like you to try. You gonna bring me a new recipe? <laughs> but
3: there's only but one I... thing I don't understand. How did you find out about this Superman? Well, I'm afraid you'll have
1: to ask Tony that.
4: Okay, how
1: about it, Tony? Well, uh, it's like this. I like to explain, but uh, I can't. Because me and Superman has got a few secrets we have to keep just between us. Well, I'll be darned. He really does know
2: Superman. You know, despite the silliness in this episode, this really is a fun episode in Season 2. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and... The actor who plays Tony plays his role and makes the episode a lot of fun. And we got a little subplot of Jimmy's inability to ask out Tony's daughter Elaine. So, you know, despite the silliness, this is a fun little episode to watch. And first and foremost, if this guy smoking a cigarette walking outside the diner looks familiar to you, that's because it's Terry Frost who played Brock and Bear, respectively, in the two Kirk Allen Superman serials. As you recall... Brock was one of Spider-Lady's men in Superman the Serial in 1948, and he returned to Superman in Adam Man vs. Superman, playing the role of Bear, um, who worked for Lex Luthor. Or, just Luthor. He does look a little different now, as, however, he is sporting a mustache that he has apparently grown in the interim. So, inside the diner, the owner won't let his daughter wait on these two guys, who just entered, and Tony gave... You know, it's pretty obvious from here what's going on, as he hands the two men an envelope. He's given him money, basically, for protection. And Spud, who is Frost's character, basically says that right off the bat, that they won't have to worry about broken windows or things like that. But, you know, Tony pays the money, but he doesn't budge, because he's apparently developed quite a bit of a reputation of telling people that he's friends with Superman. And no one really believes him, but he does have a bent rifle that he keeps on the wall. You look up at the wall, and you definitely see that the barrel of the rifle is bent down. And this other diner patron named George and Tony's daughter Elaine, you know, they seem to know it's not true, but I guess they kinda of humor Tony. I guess he makes a decent hamburger, so they're not they're gonna let him keep his uh his fantasies in exchange for his good food. And George never misses an opportunity to needle Tony about how false his claims are about knowing Superman. And there's a brief exchange between George and Elena where they basically both acknowledge that it's not true. But, you know, Tony is defensive about it. We don't know whether he actually does know Superman, but it is clear that Superman believes he does. Now, I'd love to know where Clark or Superman was at the beginning of this episode because we get a very long flying sequence of Superman flying back to the Daily Planet. First, he's flying over the sea, and then he is flying over the buildings, and then he's flying past the buildings that he normally flies out of when he jumps out the window. And it's actually an interesting shot because he flies as if he's... Going up. But then he lands right in the... I guess this is the storeroom of the, of the Daily Planet. And apparently the Daily Planet storeroom has a typewriter in it. Because now we're going to get something you don't generally see every day. Superman sits down at this desk and is typing extremely fast. Normally he changes into Clark before doing this kind of work. But nope, he's going to sit there and he's going to type at super speed as Superman. Now, if you watch the film here, Superman is typing. You can easily tell that it's the film on the camera where these have been sped up or they're skipping frames. Whichever method is being used, it's probably the best way with 1950s technology to simulate super speed. The Kirk Allen serials did something similar. Now Clark comes out of the storeroom with his manuscript, and we're going to see Noel Neal very briefly in this episode. Once here at the elevator, and then she returns for the uh, final scene at the end of the episode. But she's got a suitcase, and she's going on vacation. Or somewhere. Where I think Clark is meant to believe that she's going on vacation, but she's carrying her suitcase out of... The Daily Planet Village She's going down the elevator and she's gone for now. For some reason, Clark tries to stop her as she goes into the elevator, but I'm not exactly sure why. And right after Lois, we get for some reason Perry is screaming at Clark for something. Apparently he wanted a story written and... Immediately after that, Clark hands him the sheets of paper that he just typed while he was in the storeroom and he gets summoned into the office by Perry. And this is where we learn that the story that Clark just wrote was about a protection racket. Apparently the protection racket that is protecting Tony's diner, as we saw, like I said, we saw Tony giving Spud and Ace the envelope full of money. Perry, at first, feigned some ignorance over where Lois went, and then he pulls out this note that Lois left for him, and I guess that's the first time he saw it. I guess he knew the note was there, and he didn't read it until he showed it to Clark. She's going after the protection racket story, and she's going to be gone for a few days. and you You immediately wonder if Lois is going to get herself into some trouble here. But more on that later. And now, Perry is going to give some more 1950s women advice. And basically tells Clark that the one thing he needs to know about women is that he doesn't know anything. We know, blessed little, about Perry's personal life in the in this series. And to be honest, we really don't know about anybody's personal lives in this, in this series. But we do know that Perry doesn't seem to be too thrilled with women. He'll never miss an opportunity to make a cheap crack at a woman somehow. He did it in... Did it in the Ghost Wolf episode when he comments about Lois having nothing to wear and just some other stuff that's, you know, I've talked about this before. 1950s men writing about women. It is what it is, I guess. So, Clark and Jimmy walk into Tony's Diner, which, according to Ace, is right next to the planet. As I recall from the man in the lead mask, Pep's Diner was across the street, so I guess there are a lot of little diners in the same areas in Metropolis. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy has found something he likes more than the food at Tony's diner, and he's flirting with the boss's daughter. And he's at a loss for words, you know, he's saying something. I can't understand the word he's saying, but he is clearly smitten with Elaine, and you know what? She's returning it. And what's going to happen later is going to make me, you know, feel a little sad for Jimmy. Because, you know, Jimmy is clearly showing here that he doesn't really know what to do with the ladies. But more on that later. So, Ace and Spud are still sitting in the corner commenting, and, you know, they don't like the Daily Planet staffers, apparently. You know, they mentioned that Clark has a hot typewriter, so he is known for exposing criminal outfits, like the one they're involved in. Clark and uh, the other diner patron, George, are having some fun at Tony's expense. You know, Tony doesn't miss an opportunity to tell people how, how well he knows Superman, and really none of them are buying it. Clark is humoring Tony. You can kind of see it in his face, because he knows that Tony doesn't know Superman. In the next scene, we're going to get our first look at Cap, who we're introduced to in front of a mirror doing a Great job combing his hair as Spud and Ace walk in. Obviously, by now, the Daily Planet's Evening Edition has come out, and there's that expose that Superman typed in the closet about the protection racket at super speed. I hope he didn't have any typos. That would just be embarrassing if you typed that fast and had some typos. So, obviously, he's not happy. And really, neither is Ace, because the minute he hears Superman may be involved or that it's possible that the shop owners have betrayed them, Ace wants to get out of town. But, you know what? Cap... Wants the affidavits. He's not going to lose his business without a fight, so... He wants to find some way to get the business owners back under his heel. Spud is doing some criminal mental gymnastics in his head, and he's doing some math, and... He is going to suddenly start believing Tony. Believing that Tony's... How proud he is of his friendship with Superman as a front. To make people believe he's putting them on. So this makes Spud think that Tony might actually do know Superman. Ace isn't buying it, Cap had to be sold on it a little bit, but Spud seems to have a plan. And they're going to put it into effect. Meanwhile, at the diner, Tony is making George one tall-looking hamburger. He calls it the Super Burger, which basically looks like a triple-decker hamburger, possibly quarter-pound patties. I can put hamburgers away with the best of them, but that burger may be even too much for my mouth, and I've been told I can open my face pretty wide. But also on the menu is the Chicken Noodle Super Soup, because of course it is. I tend to like chicken noodle soup myself, but I don't find anything super about it. It's basically the basic soup, not an exotic soup, like something like French onion or something, which I really can't eat. But neither here nor there. I guess whichever soup is on for the day is the so-called super soup. At this point, I'm not totally sure George has a life at all, because he's always in the diner. He wants to be one of the regulars. Most people like to frequent the bar. George is hungry. He likes to frequent the diner. So he, can't, he doesn't miss an opportunity to comment on Tony's friendship with Superman. Ace, however, is pretty scared, you know. He doesn't want to deal with Superman, and to be frank, what what flesh-and-blood human crook does, but he wants to leave town to get as far away. But Spud's plan here is to make Tony overhear a plan about a kidnapping attempt on Lois Lane that they're making. She is to be kidnapped at 6 p.m. the next day in Watsonville. Eventually, Tony comes back when he hears his name mentioned, and... That's when Spud asks about the affidavit because the Daily Planet story was based on 50 affidavits signed by business owners. Tony assures them that he has not signed an affidavit because he is going to leave all of his problems up to Superman. Because why not? Because Superman has nothing better to do than to keep up on this diner owner who is claiming to be his friend. Clark comes in next and all of a sudden Tony needs his help to get a hold of Superman. Clark chides Tony a little bit too about why would... Tony need Clark's help because, you know, Tony is Superman's best friend, as he keeps saying. But, you know, Clark plays along, and he's alarmed about a possible kidnapping of Lois. What we see next is that Clark walks over to a distant table where the rifle is, and he bends the barrel back to normal. And they notice, and even George notices, but he still doesn't believe Tony's story about how Superman came in at super speed, bent the rifle back, and left at super speed. George's mind is still going to the fact that he believes... Tony switched the rifle for whatever reason. And he's not wrong, you know. Tony could have switched the rifle. We know that he didn't, but I am kind of wondering why nobody else noticed that the rifle was bent back beforehand. They're just noticing it now. Of course, now that Clark has done it. So George didn't think of why he didn't notice the rifle before. Back at Perry's office, both Clark and Perry are bothered by the possibility that Lois could be in danger. They're just hoping to hear from her, but, you know, no one believes that she'll call in, you know. It's 1953, there are no cell phones yet. So you kind of have to wait for her to get by a phone and call in, and she's not going to because she's Lois and she doesn't necessarily believe that she's in any danger. She really has no reason to call into the planet, although I do wonder what she's been doing for the past couple days. So Jimmy's at the diner at the moment. Jimmy is trying to ask out Elaine, and she is dying to say yes, and he goes from asking about taking her to a show at the Majestic Theater to ordering another glass of milk. Hey, where's Mr. Candy, Jimmy?
3: Oh, I don't know. He went out right after work. He said there was something he had to do. Elaine, there's a new show on down at the Majestic. I was wondering if... Yes, Mr. Olsen? If maybe I could have another glass of milk?
0: Glass of Yes, sir.
2: Oh, my God. She is clearly disappointed in him. Because he was going. He was right there. He was going to ask. And then he just gets cold feet and changes up the program, even though... Elaine was sending him all the signals that you want to see in that situation. It's clear that Jimmy has far more to learn about women than Clark does. The criminals come in, and they notice the rifle has been bent back to normal, and Tony suggests that Superman has done it, and the men share a meaningful glance, and I guess they're possibly convinced that Superman got the message about the kidnapping, quote-unquote, of Lois in Watsonville. However, Tony's has other plans, and they involve a tape recorder, but in comes a teenage couple to liven up the place, and they go right for the jukebox, because that's what teenagers do. If something gets nice and quiet, they come and make it loud and obnoxious. And I suddenly hope there are no teenagers listening to my show. Because they're probably not now. But anyway, you know, they're teenagers. They want to have fun. I certainly don't begrudge them that. I was a teenager once, too. Believe it or not. But, you know, they clearly know Tony, and so they're probably regulars. And But obviously, this is going to wreak havoc with Tony's plans to record the conversation between Ace Spud and Cap. Although I'm not sure how that How that recorder is going to record something through the door. So as these two teenagers are dancing, Jimmy comments about how nice it must be to be so young, and they're only slightly younger than Jimmy. Either way, it's quite unclear about how old Jimmy is anyway. I will to talk to Bob Fisher a little bit about this next week. But I'm guessing they're... He's probably in his early 20s. They're probably teenagers. They're just young, vibrant, happy, and clearly... Ted was not afraid to ask Claire out on a date to the Majestic Theater, as Jimmy seems to be. And while Jimmy is commenting on all this, Elaine just gives him this look, like almost pleading with him to ask her out as she's leaning over the desk. She's pleading for him to do something. I mean, she's done everything but throw herself on top of him. If this was made today, she probably would have. Right there in the diner, in front of her father. And Jimmy still wouldn't get it. Sometimes Jimmy is as clueless as they come. But, after a minute, we're all tired of these young people, especially the girlfriend and her squeaky voice. At first, Tony was successful at shutting the music down, but eventually Ted noticed that the jukebox was unplugged and plugged it back in, and then he distracted them with food, which usually works for me. If you want to distract me, the best one, probably one of the best way to do that is to throw a hamburger at me. I don't weigh what I weigh for no reason at all. Meanwhile, at the same time, nobody has heard from Lois, and Perry and Clark are still worried about this. And one thing I like that's, that's right here is you don't see Clark pacing around his apartment in costume very often, but it's fun to watch right here. This is the, looks like the same room where he listened to the radio during the Man in the Lead Mask episode when he was listening to the uh, police scanner, it sounded like, to find out where the crimes were going on. So obviously he gets really excited when that phone rings. He thinks it's Lois, but he's almost disappointed when it's to hear that it's Jimmy and who's relaying about Lois, but that the kidnapping plan is fake, and they're basically going to send Superman on a wild goose chase. And Superman listens to the tape, he can hear through the noise and the music, and he hears what the criminals are saying. And that's when Superman discovers the truth. That they're going after the affidavits that the business owners signed in the production racket. And then here comes the problem. At least Ace thinks it's a problem. I mean, at this point he is looking for any excuse he can think of to cut and run. And, well, they can't fake Lois's kidnapping if Lois is in the diner. But they think Superman is out of town, so they think their plan is still good to go. And just as they're leaving at 6 o'clock, guess who shows up at the diner? Yep, Superman comes in, and he pushes them back in, and George, the diner patron, fires the first volley of the Great Adventures of Superman food fight by delivering a pie-in-the-face to Cap. Now, Superman is having a good time doing nothing at all, just watching them throw pies and glasses at the criminals. I'm not sure why Tony is throwing something that can break. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't care if it hurts the three criminals, but I don't think he wants to lose any glasses or stuff if he can avoid it. I mean, yeah, he can always make another pie, but... And he's gonna have one hell of a mess to clean up, too. But, I guess it's worth it to him. (laughs) And I love how Superman is just watching as cat-based and spud just slip over all of the slippery pie and and whipped cream or whatever it is. So, just a very funny scene to end this episode. Not as funny when you're talking about it, but definitely funny when you're watching it. And I like how, at the end, Superman plays along with Tony's claim about knowing Superman and even offers him a recipe. I can understand Superman not wanting to embarrass the man in public. And I think Tony gets that. Now, I think Superman might have a talk with Tony privately after this, but he's not going to dress the man down in public. Now, if only Superman could get Jimmy out of his own way to ask Elaine out on a date, everything would be good to go. I feel bad for George, the diner patron, though. He has to kind of unnecessarily eat a little crow, as Tony didn't really know Superman, and he believed that Tony didn't know Superman. But here he's made to think that he, Tony actually does know Superman, and... You know, I don't know how I feel about George being proven wrong when, in actuality, he was right. I guess it's part of the humor. Again, like I said, this is a fun little episode. I I really enjoyed the bit about Superman watching the tape over the phone. And just some great stuff. You know, it's a crime drama a little bit, but it has a little more of that silly comic book action that we're going to see a lot more of as this series develops. So, about all i got on this episode. I am going to take a quick break. I'm going to play a promo. Then I'm going to come back with... The Clown Who Cried. Hang around, folks. It's time for some thrilling heroics. A brand new podcast on
3: 2 true freaks.com Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Josh Whedon's science fiction space opera Western. And that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side, not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TwoTrueFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave.
2: Alright, welcome back folks. We're going to move right ahead into The Clown Who Cried. Original broadcast date was December 28, 1953. Writer was David Chandler. Director was George Blair. Guest cast included William Wayne as Rollo, Peter Bracco as Crackers, Mickey Simpson as Hercules, Harry B. Mendoza as Sun-Lo-2 the Magician, George Douglas as Jim, and Charles Williams as the Security Guard. Now for our synopsis brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. The Daily Planet is holding a 24-hour telethon to help the local children's fresh air camp fund. Reporters Lois Lane and Clark Kent have gone to the circus to ask Rollo the Clown to perform at the show in hopes of raising half a million dollars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cut it out, Rollo. I ain't done any clown work since we was partners 10 years ago. Yeah, that's funny. We had an argument and split up. Now I can't remember what we argued about. But the same thing that brings me back? Money. I need some. Well, I haven't very much, but you can have a few dollars. Few rotten bucks, huh? I'm getting sick of having nothing but a few rotten bucks. Well, I'm sorry, crackers, but I don't happen to have very much right now. Come in. Hello. 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 Are you Rollo? Yeah. I'm Clark Kent. This is Miss Lane. We're from the planet. Yeah, I know. You're the tallest midget in the world, and you're the smallest giant. <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly. We've come to ask you a tremendous favor. Favor, sure. Why not? Oh, uh, this is a friend of mine, Crackers. Glad well, to know you. How do you do, Crackers? How about this uh, favor? What can I do for you? Well, it's quite a big favor, Rollo. We want you to help us raise a half a million dollars. Half a million dollars.
4: You see, Rollo, in two hours from now, The Daily Planet is starting a telethon. It's a 24-hour television show to raise money for the Children's Fresh Air Camp Fund.
0: Oh, of course, of course. Say, I'd be honored and delighted. I've got just a bit for it, too, a new act I thought of. Would you like to see it? Love it. Did you hear that, Crackers? I'm gonna help raise half a million dollars. (laughs) Yeah, I heard. I thought of this just for Metropolis because this is where Superman lives, is that right, Mr. Kent? That's right, you might even get to meet him. Wonderful, wonderful. Here, now you'll be the villain and I'll be super clown. Now, instead of taking the gun away and crushing the barrel to bits, I take the gun away and eat it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I certainly wish Superman could see that.
0: (laughs) You'd sure get a kick out of it. It's awfully nice of you to help us though, to be serious for a minute. Not at all, that's my business, my life. Making children happy. All right, then, we'll see you tomorrow night on stage three. That's at Colossal Studios. Good, good.
4: We better hurry if we're going to contact some of the other circus people. You go on in a couple of hours.
0: Ooh, that's right. Thanks again, Rollo. Good,
2: good. Nice to meet you, Crackers. Rollo then asks Crackers to return to the comedy act. Crackers intend to do so, but he knocks out Rollo and dresses like him. Rollo plans to steal the money taken by the planet's pledge drive as Rollo. While looking for Clark, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen has entered Rollo's tent, he sees Crackers dressed as Rollo and the legs of the other clown, who was unconscious. Crackers says that the limbs are false ones used for the act. Jimmy is, however, suspicious. Crackers takes him to the strongman Hercules, who was scared of mice. Oh, that was close. I hate those mouses. Hi, Once I want you to meet a friend of mine. Jim Olson, how are you? I'm fine, I'm
0: fine. That's all right. I don't need this hand anyway. Sit down in that chair a minute, kid. I want a couple of ways with my friend how would you like to make a hundred bucks? Sure. I need a new
1: suit. These are getting shiny in the pants.
0: Listen, take this kid, tie him up and gag him and keep him here until midnight tomorrow. Sure, Rolo. Leave it to me. I got no conscience. This is a free trick, kid. Sit down. I just sat down. This is the trick where I put the chains around my chest, expand it until they break.
3: Hey. Just one thing here. Aren't you putting these chains around the wrong chest?
2: Clark has seen Jimmy in at Hercules' attempt with his X-ray vision. While cleaning his glasses, he drops and breaks them.
4: Clark, what's the matter?
2: N- oh, nothing. Nothing, Lois. Look, you better go
0: on without me. I want to see someone else.
4: No, I'm gonna see that you get there on time.
0: Lois, will you please
4: No, and that is final.
0: All right. Please let me. Get the dust off my glasses, at least.
4: Oh. Well, Now I'll see what you've done. You're not supposed to find them with your feet.
0: I know, Lois. I'm very sorry. I, ha- I have another pair in my office.
4: Well, I'd better get them for you. I'll meet you at the studio.
0: Well, would you please?
2: Thanks. Thanks a lot.
4: What you need is a full-time nursemaid.
2: Lois goes back to the planet offices to get his extra pair, thereby giving him a chance to become Superman. Hercules awakens to find the caped hero. He tests his strength against the Man of Steel, but Hercules is no match for Superman. The strong man's bear hug cannot harm the last son of Krypton, and a slap on the forehead Superman knocks him out. A barbell has been wrapped around Hercules, and Jimmy is unchained.
3: Chiefers, it was worth being chained to get to see that. But how did you know I was here? Did Mr. Kent tell you? Something like that, Jimmy. I'll see you later. Hey, but Superman, w- Wait! <laughs>
0: I'll never get away with this, Crackers. Keep your voice down if you want to live. I've killed men for less than I'm gonna make out of this. I know what you're gonna do. You're planning to take my place at the telethon and somehow steal that money. Smart boy, Rollo. I figure there ought to be a couple of hundred thousand in cash. Not bad for one night's work, is it? Don't forget Mr. Kent. I understand he's pretty smart. I understand he's supposed to be a friend of Superman's too, but I'll still get away with it. Crackers, you're going to ruin the whole clown profession. What are the children going to think? Don't do it, Crackers. For them.
2: This only gets Rollo pistol-whipped again. Meanwhile, Jimmy has finally been able to tell Clark about the body he found in Rollo's tent. Having overheard this, Crackers must once again impersonate his former partner, when they find him on the ground.
3: There, see? Rollo! Oh, bro, are you all right? Oh.
0: oh. Oh. What happened? Oh, it was the crackers. Oh, you mean
3: that fellow was here when I met you? Yeah. You mean there are two of you? I mean, one of you and one of him? Oh, then he was made up to look like me, eh? It was you.
0: Oh, I thought so. Well, what's this all about? Do you know? I do now. You see, crackers came in here and wanted some money. I told him I had a month's salary coming tonight, and then I would let him have $10. Oh, I see. Then he just impersonated you and got all the money. Which he must have done by now. Well, there's no use crying over spilled milk, is there? Do you feel all right? Oh, sure, sure, fine. (laughs) You can't keep a good clown down, especially when he has to be on telethon, eh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) As Rollo tries to free himself from the ropes in which Crackers bound him, the planet's fundraiser has begun. Folks, this is the 22nd hour of our
0: telephone. and we haven't even reached the halfway mark yet. Please, folks, let's not let the kids down. And now, the next guest in our program is Sang Lo Tu, the magician. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sang Lo Tu. Everyone holding up okay?
4: When this is over, I'm gonna pull a Rip Van Winkle.
0: Kent, you've got to go over the top. We've just got to. And right now, it looks like it will take more magic than he has up his sleeve. Well, Chief, they can't say the planet isn't trying.
3: This woman was hoping to talk to Superman. I don't understand it. Is there such a big difference between Superman and me? I guess I do understand it. Not making any progress. That the thermometer hasn't gotten past 200000
4: Clark, that must have been the 100th request. Everyone will send in big chunks of money, if Superman will only make a personal appearance.
0: I know, Lois. I thought he'd be able to be here before now. He's got to. That's all there is to it. And I'm going to hold you personally responsible. Now, and... wait a minute, Chief. There are certain difficulties involved Just here. Just what should be so difficult about Superman appearing on the telethon? Especially when he knows you're master of ceremonies.
4: Isn't there any way you can get him here, Clark?
0: Well, I I hope so, Lo... Well, I'm not gonna worry about it now. I'm starving to death. I'm going out and get a sandwich. Do you mind taking over for me? Of
4: course, Clark. Go ahead.
0: Thank you very much.
4: It's just not like Superman to let us down.
2: Lois in the meantime sees a shadow that resembles Clark in the nearby door's window. It is actually a security guard on his break that's allowing Superman to make his grand entrance.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, I know you've all been expecting Superman to make a personal appearance here, but... Superman! Now I know we
0: I'm sorry to be late, Miss Lane.
4: Where, where did you come from? Never mind. It's all yours.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I've made Metropolis my headquarters. And I've done my best to give you a clean, healthy city. Now I'm asking you to do your best, your best for many thousands of children, children who will grow up to be the citizens of this city. And that's just about all there is to say. So now I'm going to ask you to give as much as you can and as soon as you can. Thank you very much.
4: Saved the day, Superman. Now, with some help from Raoul the Crown, we're sure to make it.
0: I hope so, Miss Lane. Sincerely, I hope so. Yes. Yes, it really was Superman. Two dollars, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Ten dollars, thank you.
4: Hello? Listen to this: a thousand dollars in the name of Superman. Thank you very much.
0: Hello? Yes? Thank you. Here you go. Sure nice of you to take over, Mr. Kent, while I grabbed a bite to eat. Glad to do it. Still can't figure out why you insisted on wearing my cap. I don't feel comfortable without it. Well, uh, I couldn't watch properly without it, now could I? I hadn't thought of that. Well, thanks again. You bet. Rollo, I was scared to death you weren't gonna show. Me, show sure. You couldn't keep me away with a team of horses. Good, let's go. $500?
2: As a result of his speech to help the children of Metropolis, large sums of money are given to the charity. All that the planet staff must do now is wait for Rollo to arrive. Rollo has managed to free himself, however, he may be too late to stop Crackers. We've made it. The counters say we did it. Whoopee!
4: Clark, <laughs> <laughs> how wonderful! Well,
2: this is a proud day, I, I mean night for the planet.
0: We'll announce it, just as soon as Rollo finishes his act. <laughs> Are you through, Rollo? We've got a pretty important announcement to make. Not yet, Kent. I'm just starting. What do you mean? Just this.
4: Oh, that isn't very funny.
0: That's right. But if you know what's good for you, keep right on laughing. Make like it's part of the act. Better do as he says, Lois. <laughs> Everybody will think this is a comic exit and that's the way I want it, understand? Get that money in the bag. Come on, this. <laughs> hey, what is this? This is heist, buddy. <laughs> keep quiet. Just behave yourself and nobody gets hurt. Rollo, I'd never believe this of you. Got a surprise for you. This isn't
4: uh... Hey, don't be a hero, Clark. You're not the type. Call police.
0: Great Caesars ghost, what's happening around here? Hello. Get me Inspector Henderson. This is Clark Kenneth at the telethon. Oh, sure. I've been watching the program here at the station. <laughs> Say, that clown was sure funny. Well, that clown just stole all of our cash. He's armed and he's dangerous. You better send out an alarm. What?
2: ALERT ALL CARS! A citywide manhunt has begun for Crackers, and the search for Crackers leads police and Superman to the Metropolis rooftops, where Rollo is defending himself against Crackers' attacks. Crackers pushes Rollo off a roof and plummets to his doom. Knowing he can only catch one clown, Superman grabs Rollo. You could only catch one of us, Superman. How did you know which
0: one? The kind of a man that you are is what gave you away, Crackers. I couldn't imagine Rollo pushing anyone off a wolf, not even you.
2: I guess I had it coming to me. Anyway, I never was half the clown you were, Rollo." In spite of losing his ex-partner, Rollo was content, for the children will have their camp, and his name has been cleared thanks to Superman. Rollo has returned to the fundraiser with Clark and the money. Before we go off the air, I'd like to bring back once more, Rollo the Clown.
4: what the police said. Superman saved more than the telethon tonight.
0: But let's give Clark and Rollo a little credit too,
2: Lois. (laughs) Alright, well that's another fun little episode. You know, and like all fun episodes do, this one starts at the carnival. After all, where else would you expect to find the clown? Our first scene is Rollo in his dressing room and crackers. An old friend of Rollo comes to ask for money, but The clown is broke as well, and apparently they were partners about 10 years ago, but their partnership in comedy seems to have broken up over money, as so many good things seem to do, both in fiction and in life. Now, money is one of those things that, if not handled properly, they can really destroy relationships and all kinds of things. But this episode is supposed to be fun, so let's get back to the fun, shall we? So Lois and Clark show up in Rollo's tent and ask him to help raise money for the children's telethon, which Rollo is only too happy to do as Lois and Clark are talking to Rollo Cr- Crackers is kind of just kind of sitting in the corner a little meekly. But, you know, his attention, his interest is piqued when Clark mentions that the planet is looking to raise half a million dollars because the half a million dollars is quite a bit more than the ten or so bucks that Rollo was able to part with in order to help his old friend. He's willing. He, he'll do anything for the children, and apparently he has an act in Metropolis that involves an edible gun. So, there's that, and we're going to not see this later, but it's good that... Rollo was thinking of what could be a good act to Metropolis. Apparently, he doesn't phase Clark in the slightest as this normal-looking guy in a suit who's named Crackers. It doesn't sound like the kind of name that an upstanding citizen would have, but it is what it is. Rollo asks Crackers to get involved with the comedy act again, and basically, his old friend responds by pistol-whipping him. You know, nice guy, you know. This is why I don't keep a lot of people around. I don't need to get hit over the head every time I ask someone to do something. And I'm betting what Rollo just got hit over the head with was not a candy gun, and... Obviously, what's going to happen here, we know Crackers has history as a clown, so he is going to impersonate Rollo the Clown, what we needed more clowns. Anyway, Jimmy meets up with Crackers, who is posing as Rollo, and, you know, Rollo is scaring Jimmy a little bit, as he's going to introduce Jimmy to Hercules, the strongman, and Jimmy is getting scared of at least what he thinks is Rollo. This is actually Crackers, but Jimmy's fear of the clown is kind of timely when you think about what's going on in the world now, with all this nonsense about the People in their creepy clown costumes just kind of showing up and getting into mischief. It's gotten so bad that people in our area have been asked not to wear clown costumes on Halloween. Which, my best guess is that with Suicide Squad only two months old at this point, there are going to be some Harley Quinns running around and maybe even some Jokers. How exactly that they're going to crack down on all these clowns is beyond me. They go to Hercules' tent and it's hilarious to me that this strongman is scared of a mouse. I know a lot of adults that are scared of mice. My mother is one of them. But he is playing it up by standing on his cot and trying to get as far away from it as he can. And it's just funny that this big, strong, muscle-bound guy is scared of a tiny little field mouse. But what we will learn about Hercules here right now is two things. One, he works cheap. A hundred bucks to keep Jimmy prisoner for a full day sounds pretty cheap, even by 1953 standards. And he says he's got no conscience. And he's going to show Jimmy an act involving chains, about how he breaks out of the chains on his chest. And then Hercules proceeds to put the chains around Jimmy. (laughs) He even goes as far to ask about that. Shouldn't the chains be on the other chest? But I think by now, Jimmy knows what's going on. That's the point, Jimmy. And things are not looking good for Jimmy right now, who is definitely not going to have a future as a a circus strongman, because he can't get out. And now he's gagged, and I don't know, I just have this feeling... Hercules is not going to get his $100. Even if Rollo manages to find a way to get away with the telethon cash, I don't think he's coming back to the circus, and I don't think that Hercules is going to get the extra dough. So. Apparently, Lois and Clark are running late. Clark wanted to talk to a few more circus performers, and he's found Jimmy with his X-ray vision tied up in Hercules' tent, and he does what he always does. He tries to... Get Lois to go on ahead without him, and he'll catch up. But, well, Lois is not having it right now, and she's not letting him out of her sight. And then we got a nice gag next as Clark takes off his glasses to wipe them, and he drops them and steps on them, both on purpose. And it serves the purpose that he wants it to serve as, not only does it get a crack from Lois about Clark needing a full-time nursemaid, but she's going to go get Clark's spare at the Daily Planet office, and this gives him the chance he needs to turn into Superman. So Superman frees Jimmy, so apparently he's not going to hang out with Hercules for too long. And this is a great sequence here, as Hercules tosses a 450-pound barbell of Superman with no effect. Then he throws a 150-pound weight. That bounces off Superman's chest rather easily. And then, Hercules just decides to get close, as he wraps Superman in this giant bear hug. Nothing. And nothing. Superman just stands there like he's bored, and then just bops Hercules on the head with his open right hand. Hercules just falls to the bed with a big plump. And Superman finishes his fight by picking up the 450 pounds barbell and wrapping Hercules in it. He's trying to do his strongman act to get out of the barbell, but he can't do it. So, I'm not going to feel any worse for Hercules than I have to feel right now. You really have to see the sequence. The small play-by-play that I gave just a minute ago doesn't really do it justice. See for yourself. Always. But I'll have you know that Jimmy approves, and Superman doesn't hang around long enough for Jimmy to tell him that something is wrong about Rollo. But, you know, Rollo goes back... Crackers goes back to Rollo's tent. even I'm getting my clowns confused. And Rollo was pleading with Crackers not to do it. N- I mean, not steal from the children. And apparently, Crackers has a little bit of a violent history as well, as he tells Rollo that he's killed people for less than-, than he's getting out of this telethon. According to Rollo, Crackers is going to ruin the clown profession. Well, for some people, the clown profession is already ruined. Now, I have a few friends, including Stacy, actually, who are deathly afraid of clowns. I don't understand it, but I guess if you've watched the Stephen King It movies too many times, that can leave you with a fear of clowns. Personally, I'm scared of Tim Curry, and the fact that Tim Curry dresses as a clown should probably be enough to scare the hell out of me, too. But anyway, back to the show. Jimmy tells Clark that he thinks there's a body in Rollo's tent, because if you recall, Jimmy saw the legs sticking out from behind a box of some kind. And they find the legs that Jimmy seems to have found saw before, and, well, they're not the same legs as those legs belong to Rollo. They weren't actually an extra set of legs for some kind of act that Crackers was making up on the fly to tell Jimmy a story. Personally, I don't think Jimmy actually bought anything that Crackers was saying before, but you never know. Jimmy is quite gullible and gets himself confused quite a bit. When Clark and Jimmy pick up what they think is Rollo, but we know it's Crackers, Rollo was unbothered by this because he's not Rollo, obviously. And the scene ends with Jimmy getting squirted by the flower, much to Clark's delight. Obviously, Crackers didn't tell him the whole plan. He just told him that Crackers is going after Rollo's paycheck, when actually Crackers is going after a lot more than just the cloud paycheck. The telethon, meanwhile, is doing absolutely miserably, and they haven't even reached the halfway mark in their pledge, $250,000, and it's only two hours to go. And you can tell just from looking at Clark's dress that he's getting tired. I mean, his jacket is open... His tie is loose. This is definitely how, in the old days, they showed tiredness. Well, meanwhile, they have this Chinese magician on there now, and he's not really doing anything for the for the pledge amounts. He seems to be quite boring, and Perry wants them to do something drastic, and Jimmy hilariously gets off the phone with a woman who wanted to talk to Superman. Well, in frustration, Jimmy slams the phone down on his finger after wondering how big a difference there is between him and Superman. Big difference, Jimbo. Sorry. So, this Magician and his candles are boring me. No wonder no one's pledging. And then we go back to the tent, where apparently Rollo has been hit so hard by crackers that he's been sleeping in his tent for a full day. After all, it is almost hour 22 in the telephone. Either he's sleeping because he got pistol whipped by crackers, or he's been watching this magician on TV. I mean, he's certainly putting me to sleep. Now, but at the end, that trick with the rings looked pretty neat. I'm not going to describe what I see, but he basically got the rings to go together in a certain sequence. So that looked pretty cool. But I'm looking closely at the magician, and I'm pretty sure he's not even Chinese. And that would be right. With a last name like Mendoza, he is probably some kind of Hispanic. Meanwhile, back at the tent, the clown tent, I am enjoying Rallo's rolling around to get himself free, and it's going to take him a while. So They'll, they'll come back to that a few times in the cut with the rest of the telethon. Metropolis is clearly a tough crowd. They want Superman or no one else. And of course, according to Perry, it's all Clark's fault. And it's all Clark's fault that the people of Metropolis won't help the children unless Superman shows up. You know, nice people. So Clark is going to use a trick he learned from the Human Bomb episode from last season. He tells the gang that he's going to go for a sandwich. Maybe he heard with his superhero that the cop wanted to go get a sandwich or something. I don't know how getting a sandwich came to mind, but it got him out of the room. Because one of the things you have to wonder when Clark Kent is surrounded by Lois, Perry, and Jimmy all day. How exactly is he going to find time to slip away and become the Man of Steel? Well, we find out here. Clark is going for a sandwich, and we are led to believe that that's him sitting on the other side of that door. Well, clearly it isn't, because Superman lands in the studio immediately after, somehow without breaking through the ceiling at all. You would think Superman came from outside, but one of the clues to his secret identity might be that he came into the room without breaking anything, so... So, Lois is fooled by Clark's ruse. She still thinks he is sitting on the other side of the door eating that sandwich. And meanwhile, Rollo is still gyrating as he tries to get out of his ropes. Now, this is where we get kind of an impassioned plea from Superman to the people of Metropolis to open their wallets to the children. And, you know, you can feel watching this the sincerity just flowing from George Reeves. He is taking this seriously. You know, we say quite a bit that, you know, George Reeves, Didn't like this series. Didn't want to be known for being involved with this series. But when he's on the screen, George Reeves brings it. With the utmost professionalism, he does the job that is asked of him. But, you know, like I said, after Superman's plea, he shows up and the money starts pouring in. They're only opening their wallets with Superman, which I think is kind of sad. It's not because it's the right thing to do. It's because Superman asked. He shouldn't have to ask you to give everything you can spare to help the children. Oh, well. I guess they were not entertained sufficiently for the past past 22 hours to pledge any money. However, Superman making a brief speech, that was enough, I guess. Anyway, now we find out what was going on with the roots at the doorway. Apparently, this was just a cop eating a sandwich, like I mentioned. He casted a remarkable silhouette of George Reeves on the door there, just like Inspector Hill did in The Human Bomb. Now, I'm guessing the clerk didn't need the cop's hat when he went and turned into Superman, but he just needed to have the cop not wearing it while he ate. It would have looked... Weird if Clark was sitting down eating a sandwich with a hat on when everybody knew that he didn't have a hat with him. Oh, well. Clark's ruse did what it had to do when it fooled Lois, which is really all that mattered. Convince Lois that he has no secret identity. Now after that, here's Rollo, or so everybody thinks. It's actually crackers because Rollo was still slinking around his dressing room trying to break free of his bonds. This is where Tim shows up. he I guess Tim is another guy he's sitting at the desk with the Daily Planet staff, and he is basically counting the money. And he shows up with a fishbowl full of cash. Apparently, it's from the Aquarium. How does that work, exactly? Are people leaving their homes and bringing money to the studio? You would think there'd be some other means for them to get their pledges into wherever they need to go. I mean, obviously, cash and things like that work the best, but I will admit, Crackers is a pretty amusing clown, and he's more entertaining than that Chinese magician was, and I'm getting a good time watching him sit on a chair on a a wobbly scaffold. You know, it's rocking a little bit, and you know it's going to go down, but this is just a great physical bit, and I wonder if this performer is a real clown doing all these acts. I mean, it's so far away, it doesn't have to be any of the actors that actually played Rollo. So meanwhile, Rollo eventually gets free, and... Back at the telephone, thanks to Superman, the Daily Planet staff has reached their goal of a half a million dollars. Now, Jimmy obviously gets up and celebrates, and he nearly hugs Perry, who angrily pushes him away. But Perry is still happy. After that, he goes on a bit about how it's a proud night for the Daily Planet and whatnot. But you know what? The minute Jimmy shows the Chief some affection... Perry is not about that. But then things go horribly wrong, as we knew they were going to, because, like I said, we know that this is Crackers and not Rollo. So, Rollo, quote-unquote, pulls a gun on Lois and Clark on the stage, and now he's holding up the telephone. And He kind of tells them to make sure it's part of the act, which which is good, I guess. If they think it's part of the act, they won't come after him. And then this is when we learn that as he runs off with the money, he tells them but we all knew. He's not Rollo. Rollo was still at home gyrating. So, like I said, at least you make it look like part of the act, but the act ends when Clark gets to the phone and calls Inspector Henderson. Who is all smiles about how fun the clown was until Clark reminds him that the clown ran off with the money. And I love how Henderson just goes, What? And then hangs up and calls all the cars. Well, I guess Henderson didn't need that language repeated. That's a lot of cars there for one clown. Now Rollo is, is after Crackers. You know, he wants to salvage his reputation because all of Metropolis just saw him, for all intents and purposes, pull a gun on Lois and Clark in national TV. So he's going to go up there and he's going to dr- get the money. So the two clowns are chasing each other and eventually the money gets dropped. And, and Inspector Henderson picks that up. And it's still amusing watching these two clowns fight on a scaffold, f- fight on a ladder, fight on a rooftop, until eventually Rollo gets falls off the roof and Superman can only save one of them. But before Superman gets to save them, there's the great nighttime shot of Superman flying toward the screen. I love that shot. I wish he not use it anymore, but I've said that before. And then Superman, we find out here, he can only catch one of the two clowns. So, he caught the one that he was kicked off the roof, and he let Crackers fall to the ground. He even justifies it by saying that Rollo's the kind of person who wouldn't even kill Crackers. Now, even though this show is getting a little more kid-friendly, Superman still is not about letting the bad guy die. Maybe he doesn't like clowns either, but like I said, that was a very nice scene of Superman justifying it, talking to Crackers, telling him how he knew which clown was who by how nice what Rollo was. I'm sure those are all kinds of things that Crackers wants to hear on his deathbed. You know, maybe Superman could have gotten to him too if he moved a little faster, but he didn't. And there was really no way with 1950s technology to simulate Superman catching two people at once instead of just... A... So thanks to Perry, Clark is going to get some credit too. He obviously always wants to give all the credit to Superman, as she often does. But Perry wants to remind her that Rollo and Clark get some of the credit too. It's very nice of you, Perry. Very magnanimous of you. Rollo, the real Rollo this time, gets to perform on stage to close out the telethon, and we're not going to see much of what Rollo does. We get a little bit of him going, running around, chasing Clark on all fours like a giant dog, but not, we don't get too much of that. But we, the camera does get squirted with the flower as the episode ends. You know, putting the cap on what I think is one of the more fun episodes of the series. You know, like I said, it's both of these episodes I thought were fun. You know, they're not going to land on anybody's top ten list. But they're solid episodes of The Adventures of Superman, and they're a worthy addition to Season 2. Because like we said before, this is really a transitional season from the crime noir drama of the first season and Season 3, the color season, which kind of starts the show's descent into Giddyhood. So, if you have an opinion on any of the episodes I covered, don't hesitate to send me an email at, at gmail.com. You can also leave me reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. That will help other people find the show as well. So, next time, Bob Fisher will be back in the house, and we're going to learn about loyalty and being a true friend in The Boy Who Hated Superman. And then Jimmy is going to go old Humphrey Bogart on us in Semi-Private Eye, which is actually Jack Larson's favorite episode of the series. So, until then, folks, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing Man of Screen podcast. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all the opinions on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests, and no one else. All music and sound clips used in the making of the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright by their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Dot com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.potomatic.com, and you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.